Monday. 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 Open wide, dev fans. Get ready to stuff your face with JavaScript, CSS, Node modules, barbecue tips, Git workflows, breakdancing, soft skills, web development, the hastiest, the craziest, the tastiest web development treats. Coming in hot, here is Wes, Barracuda, Boss, and Scott, El Toro Loco, Tolinsky. Welcome to Syntax. This is the hastiest, the tastiest web development podcast out there. Today, we're going to be talking about the costs of running a business. Um, one of the podcasts I love to listen to is uh, Chris Coyer's CodePen Radio, and uh, they always dive into different aspects of actually running a startup and a business like that. And they just did did one called Software We Pay For, and uh, uh, just went through all the different subscriptions and software that they pay for. And I thought it was kind of interesting to see, like, what does a big business like CodePen or, or uh, I don't know how many employees they have, but it's more than just Scott and I, which is just one. So I thought it'd be interested to also share sort of what does it cost to to run a business when you're trying to do the solopreneur type of thing that Scott and I do. So looking forward to that. Today's episode is sponsored by Contentful, and they've got some sweet socks coming your way. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that, Scott? Yeah. So Contentful is one of those services that makes working in the sort of modern web just super duper duper easy because a lot of the times what we're working with is front end code and we really struggle with some place to not only hold our data but access it easily and relational data, uh, just sort of all sorts of things that you might be working with. It's, it's beyond just like sort of blog content or something like that. It's really the answer to the modern CMS. So Contentful is, as they say, it's beyond the headless CMS. It basically allows you to store all of your data and access it very easily from whatever your front end code may be, whether that's a native app, whether that's a watch, (laughs) whether that is a website or literally anything. Maybe it's a drone. Maybe it's a drone that's hitting this API and doing something with it. <laughs> it's just the the beauty of the sort of decoupled sort of modern stack. So Contentful is a great place to keep your data. The interface is amazing, and it just makes working with data super duper duper easy. So for those of you who have worked in something before, like a CMS, or Drupal, or WordPress or something, and you're wondering how does this all fit into sort of the modern headless stuff, check out Contentful at contentful.com forward slash syntax fm if you sign up to contentful with this url you will get a free pair of socks so you just don't enter your name and stuff like that you need to have a contentful account before you do this so sign up for contentful collect a free pair of socks and wes and i both have these socks they're amazing i was wearing them at syntax live (laughs) (laughs) pretty cool yeah yeah i'm a big fan They, they look really super cool so either way contentful again is a great way for you to store your data and all sorts of flexibility involved there so again contentful.com forward slash syntax fm or check the show notes for a link to more information there yeah, we should also say this is not one of those you have to sign up with a credit card and then cancel it sign ups. This is one of those just sign up for it, try it out, see what it's like and grab your pair of socks. Yeah, that is seems to be the swag recently. Swag. It seems to be overtaking T-shirts at the last conference. I got more socks than I did T-shirts. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. I didn't get any T-shirts. I got lots of socks. 
But I'm pumped about that because I got too many T-shirts, not enough socks. There you go. All right, let's jump right into it. Things that we are running business, we're just going to kind of go category by category and and talk about what we have. The first one is email. I personally use G Suite to run my own email, and I actually signed up for it before it was like a paid product. Same. Or before you, you paid for it, like at the very small level. I think now it's about five bucks a month per user. I really like it because you can like have multiple domain names. So I have westboss.com. I have my wife's domain name. I have our business name. And you can just alias those and have Wes at all of these different names that you have. You use G Suite as well, Scott? Yeah, I think it might have been after it was even cost money. But at the time I purchased my domain, it was like get a free G Suite account with every domain you buy. That's for life? Yeah, it's for life. Yep. That's really good. I know you if you also are a not for profit, you can get validated in Canada. There is a thing called TechSoup, which will validate you as a not for profit. And then you can take that TechSoup number and apply for a free Google Apps account, which uh, it, it took me a couple months to get through all the paperwork, but well worth it for that. Nice. Also with email, I, I use something called Missive. So I have an assistant who tries to process most of my email. I get Email is probably my biggest pain point in my life where I just get so much of it. I probably get like 300 a day. And uh, a lot of it is just quick little questions that my assistant can answer. Um, And uh, what we do is we use this thing called Missive, which hooks into your email inboxes. And it sort of provides this... uh, chat interface that allows you to talk alongside email. My assistant and I can comment on emails sort of right in line with them. Like this person had bought it, but they forgot to put the coupon code, make sure you refund them. Or, hey, I talked to this person on Instagram, make sure you send them a pack of stickers or something like that. And uh, and then they will then reply. And it's cool because they can reply from their own address. They can reply as me, which we don't really do because I don't I don't think that often sounds good. So it yeah. just it gets sent off as as my assistant's name under the the support email address. So I pay for that monthly. It looks nice too. Yeah. It looks yeah, nice. It's, it's, like it's a, really yeah. nice. I it's funny because I'm at their website right now just uh get checking out some features because you know I might need to look at something like this myself. And uh yeah. right up there, right below one of the first images is a quote from West Boss. Is Gosh, it really? I've been loving Missive App for email. Yeah. I didn't even know that I was on this. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's I guess I, I tweeted that out uh, about a year ago after I had been using it for about a month. And I, I do really love it. It's great. It's built by like actual very technical folk, like obviously the developers that build it. But I think like everybody at the company, I think it's built in React so you can run it on the in the browser or on the desktop. There's a nice iPhone client for it as well. So I've been been liking it a lot. A lot of people also use one called Front Front App. Um, Mm -hmm. The one thing that does that I wish it did is it hooks into Twitter DMs. That's one area that is just a nightmare for me is I have open DMs and Mm. I'll get like 30 a day and I I can't can't possibly make them all. and, And Missive doesn't do that. But I just love missive for everything else. So if that's a good one. What else for email? Yeah, for well, for like sending emails, like this is the next category, which I personally am just using MailChimp and Mandrill still, which we've talked about this like a year ago. And I mentioned I was yeah. looking to get off of them. I just don't have the time to, to migrate any of that stuff. And you had told me about Mandrill rewriting URLs. And now it like totally freaks me out. Like. I'm totally freaked out about getting off Mandrill because my URLs have been rewritten. So like, oh, do yeah. I bite that bullet right now or do I figure out some sort of a, a fix for it? I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm mad about that. I should say, like, uh, the problem I had with Mandrill is that I moved away from them and then they closed their free account. 
Right. Yeah. And all of my URLs stopped working, but the fix was to to formally close my account and then oh. the URL started working again. Interesting. So it's not like they still respect those like four or five year old URLs that I sent out and they still work now, but I had to formally close my account to, to get it working. And now I intentionally don't use like I use Postmark for sending my transactional emails and they have the ability to rewrite your URLs to track if people have clicked on them. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think I use that just because I'm a little bit scared of a company like this going under right. and them breaking all of my past URLs because that's a huge support nightmare. It's amazing how many people go back to five-year-old emails and reply to it like, hey, this link isn't working or something like that. Right. That makes me a lot less concerned. And I think uh, that opens up. To, I like Postmark anyways. I've been eyeing Postmark. I have a Postmark account. So yeah, I need to just move over. Yeah, Postmark is good. It's so Postmark is very cheap. Most of these things, SendGrid, Mailgun, all of them are pretty cheap. I think for a thousand cents, it's like a dollar or something like that. So transactional email is not really a a line item in the budget. Um, What is really expensive, by far my biggest cost is sending marketing email, which I use Drip for. And Drip is awesome because it it allows automation as well as very fine grain control over emailing people who have watched certain videos or have watched a certain amount of time or all that kind of information. So I really like Drip. I'm currently um, pruning my email list just because I think it cost me like like $26,000 a year or something like that yeah. just to maintain my email address. It's like insane yeah, how expensive it is. But they say uh, you should never complain about your email list costs because if you have an email list that big, you should be making at least that much back from it. So sure. Yeah, I'm calling the list right now just to get rid of, uh, I don't know, 40,000 people or something that will co- save me a couple couple thousand dollars a, a year. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I'm still on MailChimp for sending those kind of marketing emails out. I don't love it. They've been changing the interface up, you know, and I'm typically not one to complain about interface changes being good or bad or whatever. And it's not a problem, but I'm just I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I like MailChimp, to be honest, but I'm not like head over heels about it. So I'm definitely yeah. looking for something maybe different. I don't know that the, the whole email list thing is is expensive and it's a big, big time sink and having to yeah. reintroduce all my templates and stuff like that. So I don't know. We'll see. It's really frustrating, this stuff, because I don't like spending time on this stuff. I much rather just make more content. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, you sort of have to spend at least some time on it because it it works so well. But you're right. I kind of rather just just spend my time on making more content like I could. People email me all the time like, why are you not doing Facebook and putting way more automation into your email list? And you could be like. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could. But also, I love just making stuff. So I'd rather, I know. I know. rather just build more courses. I, I just want to pay an expert to do it all for me. Yeah. Hey, you just take care of it. Because seriously, uh, it's one of my least favorite things to do in the entire world. OK, so next we have sort of transitional costs, which we both we both work with payment processors. So basically, anytime you're accepting money on the Internet, money comes in. And the fact that your credit card needs to be processed or charged or PayPal has server fees or things like that, these companies take what's called like a merchant fee. So the merchant fee comes out as a percentage of whatever's coming in, whether it's a few cents here or there, it adds up. And uh, it's one of those things that, well, you you just sort of accept because that's the only way to get paid via credit card. It's been this way before the internet when you had physical machines to accept credit cards and anything like that. So it's not like a, a big fee. It cuts in um, just a little bit. But again, you know, it's just a line item in your budget sheet at the end of the year. So 
it doesn't hurt as much because it comes off of the money coming in. You never have to pay it out. But it, it does. If you add it up at the end of the year, it, it is quite a significant amount. So Stripe and PayPal are both 2.9 percent plus 30 cents of every transaction. I also pay uh, a higher fee than that on PayPal. So if you're ever like sitting there wondering, should I use PayPal or should I use Stripe? Please use Stripe on my website. Uh, <laughs> PayPal is, I think, at least 1% more expensive unless you're from Canada because I'm a Canadian merchant charging US to everybody else. So they they get you on that, which is uh, pretty, pretty expensive. But I understand people, people still like to use PayPal um, because their credit card is saved inside of their PayPal. So they, a lot of people still pay by credit card, but use their PayPal account to, to check out. Yeah. And, and Braintree's got 2.9% at like a 30 cent fee per one. And, and again, same thing with me. I mean, I, I noticed that a lot, a lot of, uh, credit cards are done through PayPal itself. It's not just like your PayPal budget. Next is software. This is actually a big one for me. I end up buying a lot of software. Uh, I guess that's one of the mm-hmm. cool things about having a a tech company is that you sort of, I don't know, me personally, I know what kind of work goes into writing good software. And so when somebody makes good software, I don't hesitate to buy it really quickly and then see Mm -hmm. if I like it. I don't spend frivolously on software or anything, but I definitely, I like to take extended trials with things. And oftentimes that means purchasing it. So what kind of stuff do, do I buy? I think we both have a design software on here. I actually have a couple of design softwares that I've purchased. I've purchased sketch you know i subscribe to it i've purchased figma and those are my my two main users i use figma pretty much 24 7 i don't know when the last time i've opened sketch was it was probably to (laughs) it was probably to check on something in one of my tutorial series or something like that but for the most part i just don't even think of sketch it's not even in my my doc anymore yeah, I'm on Sketch right now. I really like Sketch's model because you pay for one year worth of updates and then it just you're just stuck on that last update. So I actually ran out of updates, but I was just happy with with what was going on with Sketch. I wasn't using it heavily. And then I just sat on the an older version for probably three or four months. And then I renewed for another year just last week because I wanted some of the new features. So I love that pricing model. Pay once, get it forever or get it for get updates for a year. And if you want updates past that, yeah, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the monthly payment. I know that a lot of businesses need to do that to stay afloat but something like i use tech expander and text expander like over two years ago moved to a monthly purchase plan and i'm weird. still on a old version yeah. of text expander it seems there's no way i want to pay like eight bucks a month to yeah. expand snippets it's just weird for an app like text expander that's an app where like so figma is free to just flat out use like if you want to use figma like you use sketch it's free and you get full featured. You can do everything you want to do. What you end up paying for is the team sharing in like sort of cloud storage between teams features. Like uh, it, it, like I can have shared component libraries between my team and, and through all these files and you can have a whole bunch of people on it. And at that point, you can understand paying monthly because it is. It's it's hosting content on their servers. It's doing all that sort of stuff that is is less of using it like an app and more of it like a web service. We're like mm-hmm. text expander, man. It's it's just an app. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine they're paying too much to to store anything on if they are. Yeah, they have like a like a cloud option, which is used to be able to just sync it with Dropbox. Yeah. Um, but now they have like some sort of cloud thing, which, which I don't, stores I don't really like that. Yeah, <laughs> I get it because they have to update it every time there's a new operating system. They have to update it and release bug fixes for it. And something like things um, I, I use things for my uh, to do list manager and I'm on things version three. And I think I was on things version two for 
like seven years or something and yeah. I finally just paid it and uh, something like that. I, I paid for that thing like like 30 bucks twice in my life and it's I, it's an app I use every single day and I feel like they probably don't charge me enough for that. Yeah, It's kind of this weird, weird spot where you want to charge people as much as you possibly can without uh, pushing too hard on there. Yeah, for my to-do list app, I used uh, Todoist. I've been using it forever and ever and ever. I also pay for that. Uh, it just gives you a little bit of extra features. It's it's like one of the, they do a really good model where they give you like a full app out of the, the box for free. And then like the the additional features that you pay for are are good but they're not necessarily like the most incredible things in the world. It's almost like you're paying for it to help support and, and get some extra stuff. I also mm-hmm. use an app called Notion, which I had as a, a sick pick. I actually don't know if that episode has aired yet. So uh, Notion is an app. <laughs> yeah, uh, Notion is an app that basically is like sort of like a database for web developers. It feels very much like creating web pages because you can link between documents and stuff like that. You can... Um, import a whole bunch of default templates from to-do list to Kaban boards to database tables and things like that. You can do like references and calendars and it's like a playground for general note-taking application. It, it's, it's just super cool. It currently runs my entire life. So uh, yeah, check out Notion. I have a link in the, what's it called, in the um, description. And yeah, again, it's it's my new favorite app. It's it's I'm sort of like living in this app right now. I'm just a big fan. Next up, we have services. Just one thing under here. I pay for a P.O. box every year. I think it's about 300 bucks. And that's just because if I want to put my address on something or if I want to, my stickers get sent back to the P.O. box. So that's just like one little cost that you have there. Next up, we have domains. Uh, Where do you register most of your domains, Scott? Nearly all of my domains are at name.com. So yeah, yeah. I'm on mostly hover although pretty soon i have a couple at name.com i have a couple on gandhi the af one you can only register there so i have like a couple like in weird spots because you can only register them in some places but i've been a big fan of hover although i am going to be moving them all over to cloudflare as soon as i get accepted into the cloudflare domain if you haven't heard cloudflare is becoming a registrar and they're going to do them at cost which is amazing um a bit of a death blow to a lot of these domain companies Mm -hmm. maybe Uh, We'll see what that's like. I think people will still just buy their domain name wherever they buy their hosting. Uh, But for someone like me, domain names is one of the most expensive things I have to pay every single year because I have probably like 40 or or 60 of them that I just sit on. Some of them are common misspellings of my courses. Some of them are possible courses that I might want to do at some point. Like I own all of the forbeginners.com, Angular for Beginners, Ember for Beginners. I just like grab them when I when I put out React for Beginners just because if I ever did want to venture down that way, I wanted to keep that uh, that naming convention. So yeah. uh, domain names are a pretty expensive one. But yeah, uh, if, I, if I'm like if I have a side project that I'm thinking about or if I've had like a couple of beers and I've like brainstorming on something and I'm shopping for domains, you best believe oh, I'm, yeah. I'm buying a couple domains just to sit on. But like, oh, this is a great idea that I'll never have time to do. <laughs> let's just uh, let's scoop it up. Someone once tweeted that uh, domain renewals are such a good reminder of things you were almost really excited about yeah. one year ago. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. It's, it's perfect. Just... It's exactly correct. And sometimes <laughs> I like I feel like it's almost like spring cleaning to get rid of them. And I'm like looking at it. It's like a T-shirt that I, I have in my closet. Like, hmm, am I ever going to wear this? I don't know. Am I going to wear this or not? Like, maybe I should just get rid of it. OK, let's get rid of it. You know, I'll turn off the auto renew on domain names that I'm not super excited about. Oh, and yeah. then when it comes up for a renewal, then it's a gut test of whether I actually want to keep it or not. Yeah, that's a good one. It's like turning the hanger backwards. 
<laughs> okay, so let's get into the next one, which we had sort of backups. And uh, I know we both store a lot of data. I personally keep a lot of data because video files are huge and I do a new course every month. So I think even like first and foremost, so like one of the, the uh, big things I have for data is like off a service data backup. So like a NAS drive. So I have a, a NAS drive in my office that has 16 terabytes of data availability. So I'm not running out anytime soon. It does like double redundancy backups. So there's no chance of me losing any of my content ever. So I store all of my raw video files, all of my produced video files, seriously everything on my NAS drive, takes care of everything. I host all of my stuff though, uh, for download and backup and whatever on both Backblaze as well as Amazon S3. I use both because I'm sort of transitioning to Backblaze, but at the same time, I have some systems in my site that rely on S3, so I haven't had the time to move everything off just yet. I'm almost exactly the same. Um, so I unpopularly run all of my code out of Dropbox. Um, <laughs> I know people get mad at me for that because it, it it spins up your CPU and goes crazy with your node modules when you install, but I don't notice it because I have a very fast computer. And that is a nice little like passive backup for me. Um, if I accidentally nuke a code file in between Git commits, I can always bring that back, which is great. And then for my whole entire computer, I pay for Backblaze every single month. That is kind of like Dropbox for your entire computer. It works really well. It saved my butt more than a few times when I've accidentally deleted something or I've accidentally corrupted an entire video mm. project. I was able to just go back to Backblaze and download the archived version. I also use Back Backblaze B2, which is their kind of like Amazon hosting yep. competitor. It's extremely cheap. That's why I think Scott is moving over to it because it's way cheaper, it's cheaper. than what I used to use, which was Amazon S3. So if you want to download the zip files of any of my courses, they are almost all hosted on Backblaze. I still maintain a couple on Amazon S3 just because I'm a bit lazy to move them over. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's not like not the super most easiest thing ever. Although uh, I don't know how you put things up onto B2, but I just use FTP. It's just like the only yeah. thing I use FTP for that in S3. Yeah, I use uh, CyberDuck. Oh, yeah, CyberDuck. Like I use Transmit uh, because I bought it. <laughs> oh, I have Transmit, too. Does it support? Yeah. Backblaze? Yeah, there's like oh. even like a, a shortcut for it. Oh, shoot. Well, why am I using CyberDuck? I've paid for uh, Transmit like Forty yep. years ago, when I was doing <laughs> I WordPress, ever, that's ever. another application that I still use. Panic, man! Uh, they all made the time. some great apps. Yeah, Panic is awesome. Yeah. Next up, we have Labor, which is paying for people. Um, I have an assistant who works for me part time, does all of my email, does all of expenses, pretty much any any like kind of stuff that takes me out of working on the business and makes me working in the business. So anything that I, I don't feel like doing, I'll just pass off to her and she'll take care of all that. And then I also have a, a, a part-time developer for the last little bit, been working on some improvements to my course platform as well. That's working pretty well. So that's fairly new to me in the last year or so, having the increased cost of paying these people, which is uh, always a scary thing because you have to make sure that the business keeps going in order to, to pay these people, as well as the whole like management uh, aspect of it and, and hardware as well. I bought my assistant like a laptop, things like that. So nice. I know people have huge companies and, and do this as well, but it's the first time I've ever had a Fourier into that. Yeah. So I have one developer working on level of tutorials and he works on it part time and does freelance 
part-time otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, he's one contract developer. I'm also contracting out some design work, although uh, I'm also doing quite a bit of the design work myself. So just to get some like extra help here and there, because some of the stuff I think in the site needs more work. So that's pretty much it. I What I really need is an assistant. Like I really need an assistant, what it comes down to, because of email and, and just sort of managing things. Like I'm, I'm good at creating content, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's my strong suit. My strong suit isn't necessarily communication and things like that. So uh, if I had somebody to help me with that, I think things would be a little bit more complete. Uh, I would also, I think I'm, you know, looking to do more of like social media help or even marketing help and stuff like that. Because again, yeah. I, I spend so much time creating content that I don't get to spend the time on the other things that I could do if I had the time to do it. We'll do a hasty tree on uh, things I've learned as an assistant. And and maybe uh, you can go through that, that whole process as well, because it was a whole idea of making what's called SOPs, standard operating procedures, um, and like taking all of the ideas out of my head, yep. building lots of tooling so that somebody else can manage these things. And yeah. uh, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so well, maybe we'll do an entire episode on that. And with a custom system like ours, you know, it's like in my back end system, there's no reason for me to build in certain features when I could go look things up in a database query myself yeah. and just take care of it <laughs> rather than like, OK, well, you need a, uh, an interface for this now, uh, which is, you know, again, just more more work. So I'm actually having our developer, I'm having him work on some of those interfaces right now because they're non-essential and like they're going to be paying dividends in the long run. Uh, Next, you have insurances. My insurance sort of stuff is really simple. I use Courtney's insurance for everything, for medical and all that good stuff. So I I don't buy insurance separately. We just use her, her professional insurance through work. That's good. I have to pay for all of my own insurance, but in Canada, it's the much easier um so health insurance in canada for my entire family is like 350 bucks a month or something like that i know that it's probably like five six seven times that in in the u.s which is a such a frustrating thing for entrepreneurs who want to go off on their own they can't do that in canada we get uh health care so we get the doctors for free but you don't get prescriptions or obviously denter, dental, optical, things like that are is often much more expensive. So we pay into that and then we try to use we try to use that all back <laughs> yeah. uh, by going to the dentist as much as possible and uh, getting new glasses as, as frequently as we possibly can and and things like that where you need to, to dip into it. So I've done the numbers and we almost always just use everything back that we pay into it. So it's, it's a pretty efficient system. Other things we have here is my home insurance is I think 1500 bucks a month higher because I run a business. Hmm. It's so silly because like, I don't have people coming to my house that are going to slip on a slip on something or, or whatnot, but there's still a, just because I run a business from my home, there's still an increased elevated sense of risk from the insurance companies. So my house insurance is quite a bit more than it would be if I didn't run a business from here. So that's just like another added cost. It's, it's kind of like the interesting thing about running a business is sometimes people are like, oh, it must be nice to just like run this thing and, and make your own hours and, and whatnot. But like there's added costs to running a business at every single corner. Added costs and added stress at literally yeah. every corner. Yeah. I mean, like your weekends, it makes it very difficult to claim your weekends. I know it's important to do, but it makes it more difficult. Okay, next we have professional fees, which again, uh, running a business, you you end up having a lot of professional fees. I have an accountant. I do have a, a lawyer on, on retainer. 
help with both entity things as well as just general questions or legal privacy policy, that sort of stuff. I also have a bookkeeping service because my books are complex enough that I have to. They make sure that I get all those little deductions like the merchant fees and stuff like that listed as expenses and things like that rather than just, you know, sort of however the uh, sort of cavemanic way I would have tried to do my own accounting. So that's pretty much it for me. I, I just have a lawyer, an accountant, and a bookkeeper. I think the bookkeeper is the only one I pay like actually monthly for because they, they keep my books up to date. They have full access to everything and yeah. keep me informed. My accountant is worth their however much they spend. I think it's a couple thousand dollars a year I pay for my accountant, but takes care of everything, answers all my questions regarding to like how to pay yourself. At the end of the year, he'll, he'll look at like our, both our personal and the business and, and figure out how to do that. Through him, I have uh, a lawyer that does corporate stuff that you need to do, make sure that you're all on the up and up with that. And then I have foreign effects. So I bill everything in almost everything in US and I need to convert that to Canadian to go to the store and buy food. And in order to do that, I if you go to your own bank and try to convert currency, they're going to nail you. Mm -hmm. And if you go to PayPal and try to convert your own, they're going to take most of it. So there is smaller companies that you, you can find. I got referred to. It's a big thing here in Canada because a lot of people run businesses in US and, and convert it. So you pay them or I don't pay them, but they take a cut, a very small cut of everything. It's anytime I talk about transferring money, people always email me and say, you should check out TransferWise or XE.com or any of these things. And those TransferWise is very, very good. It's much better than it's much better than just using your bank or PayPal or something like that by by like a couple cents on mm -hmm. the dollar. But I is still using a, a private firm uh, to do this yourself. You still get the by far the best price ever. I've because my entire income comes in in US, like half a percent or half a cent is like a vacation for me in, in some use cases. So I pay. I've spent a lot of time figuring this out, and I'm very happy with the my setup that I have now. Okay, next we have hosting moving right along, and this is a lot of hosting. I mean, we mentioned that I use B2 for video hosting, download hosting, S3 for download hosting. Level Up Tutorials is hosted on Meteor Galaxy, which is just tuned to be a little bit easier to work with Meteor and stuff like that. I have considered moving it off of Galaxy. It used to be hosted on Heroku before that, and Galaxy was cheaper and easier, so I, I moved it. I think that's pretty much it for me for hosting. I, I don't host my video anymore. I guess I do pay for a CDN uh, via CloudFront. But other than that, I, I might have one thing on DigitalOcean still. I don't That's very host good. a ton of stuff. Yeah, because I pretty much the stuff that was on DigitalOcean for me is now on Netlify. So I was like managing my own, you know, server when I, all I needed to do was maintain some front end code. So Netlify saved my my bacon there. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I, I don't really pay very much in hosting. I think, oh, DB hosting, I do pay. I My database is hosted at Compose, Compose.io. I believe it's owned by IBM now. I've considered moving off Compose several times, but like anything, it's been there since the inception of Level Up. So it works fine. It works, yeah. Yeah, it works fine. There's really no practical reason other then I have lots of other things hosted at Atlas already or MLab. So, well, what was MLab? So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. I use Vimeo to host all of my streaming videos. Uh, I talked earlier about how I was on the Vimeo, like their business plan, which was like four or five hundred bucks a year. Yeah. Um, and I was streaming it directly into my own HTML player. And they said I was using 40 terabytes a month or something <laughs> like that. And you can't do that. Well, because uh, it probably... So 
changes which video they're serving, right? Whether they're serving the right quality for the right network and stuff or no? Yeah, is that yeah it was because I was just serving up straight MP4. Yeah. Uh, I did use their compression on it, which is good because Vimeo suppression is very good. For but sure. The Vimeo player will auto degrade based on speed yep. and, and device and all this amazing stuff. So I switched over to using Vimeo. I'm on the $800 a year plan currently, which is I had to upgrade that more recently because whenever I post a big course, they only allow you to upload so much in a week. So I had to upgrade that. I could probably I could probably downgrade it at some point, but that's a big one for me. I host my own website on DigitalOcean. So that's uh, I think I, I pay probably 40 bucks, 50 bucks for a couple different droplets and a floating IP there. Yep. I host the Syntax website on now.sh, which is on now just rolled out their yeah. now two, which is kind of interesting. They're moving more towards serverless, but they have this idea of you can take any existing application that you have and it will automatically serverless it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Except they, it's, <laughs> it, I'm, I love Zite so much, but it doesn't work. Yeah. I'm I'm skeptical because like I I had dreams of moving level up to now and then like this new platform makes that totally impossible. Yeah, it makes it totally impossible with my setup. So I'm in the process right now of moving it to now and then they rolled this out at the at this time because I was moving my I love I love their hosting platform. It's amazing and I had done all this work to host and move all of my domain names and uh, over to them and then they rolled out this 2.0. You can still use 1.0, but for how long I don't know if right, it's worth yeah. it or not. I do have faith that they will fix the issues that we have with it currently. But yeah, I'm just kind of looking for where do I go now? I know there's something like Heroku, but the, the, these kind of things, they they get expensive really quickly, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're trying to just host a lot of like silly little node projects that you're not necessarily making any money off of. Right. Um, we'll, we have a whole nother episode we'll do on, I, I was on Twitter asking for recommendations and people recommend Doku or Doku. Have you heard of this? Uh, no, I saw it listed. It's like a in self-hosted a, yeah. Heroku. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah. It's really cool. I, I we'll saw talk, a whole We'll do a whole episode on it because it's pretty cool. I also use Bluehost to host my own website. That's WordPress. I've signed up for that when I was like six years old and still have it. I don't love it. What happens is that if I email out a link to my own website, I will crash my server and then two minutes later, they'll they'll scale up. Yep. But the scaling up in that two minutes, I have 40,000 people emailing me that my website is down (laughs) and it drives me crazy because I have all this unnecessary email of people sending me screenshots of a broken WordPress. I'm redesigning my website right now. I am looking at doing it in Gatsby, which I'm pretty excited about. So that will probably be deprecated at some point for my Bluehost. It's not cheap. I think it's like a couple hundred bucks a year, which is frustrating. Um, and especially if you want to like host your own SSL certificate, they make you pay for like a yeah, that's rough. Your own IP address, which is is frustrating. I don't really like Bluehost as a company anymore. They did some shady stuff with their like aggressive caching that wasted a couple of days of mine. So there's that. And then database hosting was uh, I host on MLab, which is now owned by MongoDB Atlas. Big fan of MLab. Probably will just stick with with them when they move over to Atlas, just because I've been so happy with it. Word. Last up, we have just travel. This is kind of uh, somewhat related to to the business as well. So uh, I do a lot of traveling. I go to conferences and and uh, do a lot of training and workshops. So in doing workshops and training and and speaking at conferences, you uh, usually if you speak at a conference, they'll pay for at least the hotel and your travel, which is your flight. But it's I was like thinking that like, this is still pretty expensive if they're not paying you anything past that because you have to pay for a taxi or someone to drive you to the airport. And then you also have to pay for like an Uber 
Uber from the airport, like San Francisco airport to, to downtown was like 30 bucks. You do that twice. That's that's 60 bucks. That's not cheap. You have to often pay for a couple other meals that aren't covered by the conference. All that kind of stuff that surrounds uh, speaking at it, which is often why I, just, I will still ask for not every conference, but I'll often ask for just like a little bit of money for conferences. I don't mind speaking for for free because I really enjoy it. But those added costs on top of it are are a little bit inaccessible, especially like I have a business and, and I'm making money for it. But some people want to speak at conferences and they, they don't necessarily have an extra to 300 bucks to spend on this kind of thing. So there's that added expense to, to running a business as well. Word. Well, this has been a uh, a big old hasty treat. This has been a yeah. uh, yes, it's been a big <laughs> 40 one. minutes. Yikes. OK, cool. Well, I have nothing to add to there, so we can wrap this up. As you can see here, the running a business is not easy. There's a lot of little things. There is a lot of things. I don't know. It's not like we're spending a crazy amount of money here, but it adds up. And there's certainly a lot of things to consider and whatever. So, yeah, just hope this uh, gave you a little bit more insight into sort of what it takes to do what we're doing in some sort of financial regard or even organizational regard. It almost feels like we just did a complete outline of running our businesses. Yeah, it's good for you because what I usually do at the tax time is I go through all my expenses. I'm like, seriously, I'm spending that much on domain names or yeah. man, that really got it. That really added up or that came out of nowhere, especially a lot of these services that don't email you when they renew because they don't want you to cancel them. I've had a few like that where I'm like, ah, shoot, I forgot to cancel that thing. And they billed me nine bucks for eight years and it sort of gets away from you uh, with all these like little death by a thousand cuts with these type of things. So got to keep an eye on it. Sure. Cool, man. All right. Well, that's it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.